Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. I'm Aaron Salvato. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the theological concept of God's incomprehensibility. The idea that God cannot be fully, totally known. There will always be some things that are a mystery, things that we can't fully understand. Here on the show, we love taking theological concepts and breaking them down. And recently I got inspired talking to some people about this topic. And so I decided to come in and do an episode on it. So without further ado, here is a breakdown of the topic of God, the incomprehensible one. Thanks for listening. So, who is God? God is incomprehensible. What does that actually mean? The main idea of it is God is different from you, and that's a good thing. God will always hold some mystery for us because an unlimited God cannot be fully known by a limited being. Okay, so... The way I think of this is, man, man, God, God cannot be fully known by us as limited, finite humans. There are a few things that come to my mind when I think about this. The first is, okay, here's an analogy, all right? Imagine an ant, okay? A tiny insect that forages for food and is very, very, very tiny and small. And imagine that ant trying to comprehend a MacBook Pro, okay? If you use Windows, I'm sorry, but I use a Mac. I think they're infinitely better. And I used to use Windows a lot, okay? I was a Windows XP guy, and uh, it was great for a time, but okay, I digress. Back to the analogy. So an ant, an ant looking at a MacBook Pro. Can the ant fully know the MacBook Pro? Probably not. Why? Why is that? Well, it's because of capacity, the capacity of the ant. If that ant looks at the MacBook Pro, if it crawls up on it, if it takes its feelers and starts feeling the MacBook Pro, what is that ant going to understand? It's going to understand that the, the Mac is smooth it can feel that, and it's going to realize that the Mac is shiny. The bright screen is going to tell it that. But can the ant fully know what that MacBook Pro is? No. I mean, the ant can't see behind the metallic curtain of the MacBook Pro. It has no idea what a processor chip is. It doesn't know what a motherboard is or RAM. It has no concept of those things at all. It, it, it's unknowable to the ant. The ant can know some things, but it can't know all the things. And in a lot of ways, that's the reality of God. I mean, God is incomprehensible. He, we're like ants trying to figure out a divine spirit being from another dimension, right? I mean, we can know some things for sure. We look at the Bible, and the Bible tells us a lot about God a lot about his character and his heart and who he is and his story. 
I mean, God has revealed so much of who he is to us through the scriptures. We also have personal experience. I have experienced God in the ways that he's shown up in my life and and blessed me and spoken to me specifically about things going on in my life. Yeah, I can know those things about God, but there's a lot of things going on in the spiritual realm that I just don't get yet. I mean, I mean, think about the Trinity, right? The God is three in one, one God in three persons. Dude, I, I don't even know. I have literally tried to wrap my brain around what that means. I mean, I, I even wrote into a seminary professor and was like, what do you think about these questions about the Trinity? And his response was like, yeah, no one really knows. <laughs> like, I'm a seminary professor, and I still don't have this figured out. The Trinity is a divine mystery. So yeah, in a lot of ways, we can know God. But then there's some ways where we're not going to know him fully until we meet him face to face and we're able to ask those questions. And then then I, I hope, I feel, uh, I I truly hope that all those questions will be answered. Now, listen, this is like, it's not a disclaimer of, you know, we don't, we don't know this God. We don't, we have no idea who this God is. No, 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 it's not that. It's rather, we as finite beings cannot fully comprehend the God who created all because we have been created by him, right? Like we are, we are creations of the creator the creator is the one who has all of the inside information in how the creation was made. I don't, I don't have that information. You don't have that information. The reality is our knowledge of God is always going to be kind of limited. And I think it has to do again with capacity, right? We talked about the ant. Uh, the ant has a certain capacity to understand the MacBook Pro. Here's another analogy for you. Think about a cup of water, right? A glass of water. Let's imagine that this glass of water represents mankind's capacity for knowledge. A person like me, I would say like, I'm, uh, uh, that glass is not full to the top. Okay. I, I, I am somebody who, you know, maybe I have uh, two sixth full of my knowledge and, and I, I'm two sixth full of a glass. That's my, that's my capacity. That's how much I've learned, but I still have a lot more to learn. And then let's take the smartest person in the world, right? They're a full glass of water. But then God, how smart is he? How knowledgeable is he? Well, he's not a full glass. He's the ocean. How much bigger is the ocean than a full glass of water? It's infinitely larger. And so in that way, yeah, the smartest human is that full glass, but God's knowledge is the ocean. He will always know more than us. So here's the theological proposition. God is incomprehensible because he's pre-existent. He was around before us. There was, I don't know if you know this, but there was like an entire thing that happened before we humans showed up. A lot of us, we read the Bible, right? Genesis uh, 1 verse 1, what does it say? In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And then we know he creates plants and animals and eventually humans. But, okay, I love what John Mark Comer says. He talks about how uh, 
When we read Genesis 1, it's like watching Star Wars and starting in Episode 4. You've got Luke Skywalker, you've got Han Solo, Leia, Chewbacca, Darth Vader. But what you don't realize if you're sitting there in the theaters in 1975 watching this movie, you don't realize that there is Star Wars prequels that have been written but they haven't been filmed yet. And so there's this whole history that actually is in the story and happened beforehand. Like Darth Vader just wasn't born Darth Vader. He has a storyline. There's there's a whole story leading up to him turning to the dark side. There's a war that has been going on for a long time before Luke Skywalker was even born. And in the same way for us as humans, it's it's very similar. We're thrown into this earth, we're thrown into this world, but what we don't realize is there's this war in heaven that's been going on for, I mean, we, we have no idea, for a long, long time. Specifically, a battle between good and evil, between God and Satan, the enemy, between angels and demons. It's a war between heaven and the forces of darkness a war for human souls. Angels and demons and powers of good and light and powers of evil and dark fighting for the future of humankind. God existed way before Genesis 1. There is a lot that has happened before Genesis 1. And so we have to realize this plays in to that incomprehensibility of who God is. We, there are things that we don't know and we have to be okay with that. Now, God can be known only as much as disclosed about him through his word, our world, the person of Jesus, and the work of the Holy Spirit. God is different than us, and his thoughts and ways are very different. God, he's on a whole different playing field in the way he thinks and operates. I mean, just like read the Bible. <laughs> he seems to revel in thinking and operating differently than us humans, right? Story of David and Goliath, you've got this giant terrorizing the land. The humans think, we've got to find the biggest, strongest guy. God says, no, nope, I'm going to get the smallest dude, little David, middle school-aged shepherd boy, David. Let's get him out there on the battlefield. It makes no sense to human comprehension, but God knew something that we didn't. Or, I mean, classic scenario, Joshua and the wall, right? You've got like uh, some, some Ninevites terrorizing the Israelites, probably, you know, like pouring boiling acid off the wall on top of them, shooting arrows at them. Israel thinks, okay, we've got to get an army. We've got to fight. And God says, nope, form a marching band, march around the city. It'll be great. <laughs> God just, I mean, he is on a whole different level because he's holding all the cards. He knows everything. And so he sees every possible future, every possible contingency, and he knows exactly how to play things and how to make things work in ways that we humans can't even comprehend. His thoughts and ways are different, and he's different in ways that we ought to be. What I mean by that is we should, we should try to imitate him, right? Like, God is always the same. He's always faithful. He's always promise-keeping. A lot of times we humans are not. I don't know about you, but I tend to change a lot depending on my mood, depending on my circumstance, depending on how good or bad things are going for me. I change and 
I'm not always faithful to the things I say I'm going to do. I don't always keep my promises. But God, he's so different than us in that he always does these things. He always is faithful. He's always the same. He always keeps his promises. And so we as humans, we should look up to God as our spiritual father and say, man, I want to be like him. I want to imitate him. I want to live my life in a way where I am faithful, where I keep my promises. Another part of God's nature is God is always after his glory. Now, I'm just going to be honest for a second. This concept can sound weird, right? Like God is always after his glory. What does that mean? Like, I mean, imagine a human who's always after their own glory. Like I think of Kanye West before he went all Jesus-y. Pre-Jesus Kanye was all about the glory of Kanye. He was all about making Kanye's name known. He was all about being prideful and boasting and saying, I am the greatest of all time. So that's kind of like, I feel like when we bring up the reality of like, God is always after his own glory. It can be something where we kind of pause and go, huh, does God have like this massive ego? Like what's going on there? Why is he always after his own glory? Okay, so hold on. Just just stop for a second. Let's let's think about the Hebrew word, okay? Cuz the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. So we have to actually kind of consider what these words mean. So the Hebrew word for glory is kavod. Kavod. The kavod of the Lord, right? And what it means is it is God's beauty and radiance, all right? It is his beauty and radiance. It is something that is heavy, something that is weighty, all right? So the glory of the Lord, the kavod of the Lord, is sort of like this bright light. Now you might be thinking like, I've never seen a bright light. Like I've never been in the middle of a rad worship session and all of a sudden the room just blinds me with a glorious kavod light of the Lord. Okay, so that can be taken literally in the sense of, well, think of Moses, right? Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God and he is literally like, not blinded, but man, I mean, close enough. The glory of the Lord, the kavod of the Lord meets him in that spot and his hair gets blown back and turned white. It's intense. So this idea of kavod, of God's glory, it points to this reality that God is something so different from us humans. Like, he is very different. One great analogy is the sun. Think about the sun. Is the sun like you? <laughs> no, the sun is very different. It can be blinding if you stare at the sun. The sun is not a human. It's not an animal. It's not a plant. It is a big burning ball of fire in the sky. And yes, I know scientifically it's a star. But yeah, to quote Pumbaa from The Lion King, it's like a big burning ball of gas in the sky. It's, it's, it is so different from you. If you get too close to it, it can destroy you. It can burn you. So this reality of like God's glory is one, it's acknowledging God is different. He is powerful. He is amazing. And when I recognize, when I recognize how big God is, how amazing he is, how good he is, how fantastic he is, what I'm doing is I 
I am recognizing the glory of the Lord, and I'm stoked on it. It's a good thing. Sort of like when you go to a really good concert and you hear a band and you're like, oh, this band is amazing. It's so good. When you're doing that, you are reveling in the glory, the kavod of that band. When you go and see an amazing Star Wars movie, like the Rise of Skywalker coming out in a few days, which I'm hoping is amazing. Um, I'm hoping to be sitting in that theater experiencing the glory, the kavod of that movie. So let's circle back to that idea of God looking after his own kavod, like trying to, trying to, trying to go after his own glory. Is this a bad thing? Is it a negative thing? Is it an ego trip thing? I would say no. And here is why. Humans were created specifically to know God and to be known by God. That is like one of our primary functions, to experience God, his friendship, his goodness, his fatherhood in our lives. And so when God is revealing his glory to us, when he's pointing to his glory, it's not God saying, hey, uh, hey, look what I can do. Hey, I'm pretty amazing. Hey, hey, check me out. That's not what he's doing. He is trying to get us, the humans that were created specifically to be in this relationship with him, he's trying to get us to recognize who he is and how he loves and what he's about. That's what he's doing when he's after his own glory. He's trying to expose the goodness of himself to us. Like go back to that idea of the sun, right? The sun is good. Like those rays of the sun give us life. They help things grow. They help us see. They give us light and guidance. The rays of the sun are good. The glory of the sun is good. It's good for us to experience the sun. If the sun were to be like, yeah, I'm pretty great, you know, as a star and all, but, you know, I'm going to hide these rays. I don't want to be all about myself. I'll just, you know, go and set in the west and never come back up. That would not be a good thing for us humans. We want to experience the glory of the sun because we need it. And so in the same way, for us as humans, it is good for us to experience the glory of God. When God is revealing his glory, when he's going after his own glory, he's actually doing us a huge favor. Because I don't know about you, but in my experience, the more I'm exposed to the glory of God and who he is, the better my life becomes. The, the deeper I go in my friendship with God, the more I realize his role and his power and his place in my life is a good thing for God to always be after his glory. So let's take a second and talk about, man, what makes this difficult in our culture? The idea of God being incomprehensible. How is that hard? Like when we get out of theology speak and all of this jargon and we go to like practical daily living, what does this actually look like? Well, think about this. We like things that we can figure out. I don't know about you, but I don't like things I can't figure out. When I buy a new piece of technology and it comes with a 20-page instruction manual that I can barely understand, that is frustrating to me. I like to understand things. I like to know things. Think back to when you were a little kid. Man, do you remember when your parents were like, hey, do this thing. And you were like, I don't understand why I have to do that thing. And they were like, well, just do it. 
I'm the parent. That is, oh, dude, that is so frustrating. Oh my gosh. That just, that would kill me. I hated that. I wanted to know the reason. I was always asking the reason. And so for us, I mean, we really do like things that we can figure out, things that we can put boxes or Enneagram numbers around. But throughout the course of time, God has always stood outside our own human understanding. Things happen in our world that don't have an easy answer. Things about the Bible and the nature of God that we don't have an easy answer for. But what we do know is that there is a God who made our world in us. And this God is love. His nature is one of self-giving love. And in Jesus, we see that, but we only see it in part. And man, this can be hard. I think for young people, honestly, this can be so hard because, man, we are trying to be good Christians. We're trying to live our life and obey our parents and do the right thing and avoid sin. And we grow up in Sunday school and we get these lessons passed down to us. Follow God, obey your parents, read the Bible, trust God, serve Jesus, preach the gospel. This is what matters. This is what life is about. But man, all of that stuff can become so confusing when things happen that we don't understand. When we go through a really bad breakup with somebody that we thought we were going to be with forever or when somebody that we're really close to dies, or when we go through a major life setback that we had no idea was coming. Man, it can be so hard because we look at God in those moments and we think like, why would you let this happen? I need to know. I need to know what your reasoning is. And when I read the Bible, I don't find the answers. And it's so stinking frustrating. I mean, for me personally, like almost just a year ago, my, my cousin, Tony, who was one of my dearest friends, an amazing guy, just servant of Jesus, lover of Jesus, lover of people. He had his whole life ahead of him. He was dating this girl. They were going to get married, just all of this amazing stuff in his life. And then out of nowhere, he gets hit by a car and dies. That happened almost a year ago. And man, when that happened, I remember just lying on the ground, staring up at the ceiling and saying like, God, how could you let this happen? Why would you let this happen? I don't understand you. This doesn't make sense to me. How could you allow this? And I know a lot of you guys listening to this, you've been there. You've been in situations where all of the fuzzy, happy, sing-songy, churchy, flannel graph, veggie tales answers don't work, where it doesn't make sense to just throw up your hands and say, praise the Lord, all is good. When you go through these radical life challenges, it can be so hard to trust God. It can be so frustrating. The reality that he is incomprehensible, that we can't know everything is so, so hard. But that, that is where faith really does come in. That is where we have to trust. We have to put our faith in the reality of who God has told us he is. And what has he told us? He's told us that he's loving. He's told us that he's good. He's told us that he cares for us. He's told us that he thinks of us as his little lambs. 
He's told us that he wants to protect us. He's told us that he wants to save us. He's told us that the powers of darkness are after us to destroy us, but he is a warrior who is fighting on our behalf. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we love. And you know what? The crazy thing is, if these were just words, I mean, it would just be his words against our reality. It would just be God up in the clouds saying, I love you. And that would be all we had. But we don't just have the words of God. We have the actions of God. God backed up his words with action by becoming a man and coming to this earth and living among us. And just like, man, just going through the worst of the worst things a human can go through. He was beaten. He was spit upon. He was oppressed. He was hated. He literally came to this earth and just like gave himself for people, spent his entire life spreading the glory of God, helping people see a God who loves them, a God who cares about them, a God who cares about them so much that he would have died for them if they were the only one on this entire planet. And then he backs up his words by dying on a cross for humanity, a humanity that hated him and spit in his face. He died for them. And then he does what no one else could have. He rises from the dead, not just to do it. He rises from the dead to bring new life into creation, to like breathe resurrection into the bones of humanity and the earth itself. Man, you need to know that even though we can't fully comprehend God, that doesn't mean we can't know him. Here's a really practical way to think about it. Think about your parents. Now, I know not everybody listening to this has a good relationship with their parents, but hopefully most of you do. For those of you who had good parents, you've always had a relationship with them from day one, from the day of your birth, when your mother and father first held you. You had a relationship with them. You knew them. They knew you. The difference is they knew you from the beginning. From the moment of conception, they knew you. They watched you grow. But what about you? Did you know your parents' past? Did you know who they were as teenagers? Did you know about their past jobs, their past relationships, their struggles, their triumphs, their victories, their failures? Did you know any of that about your parents? For a lot of us, we don't learn these things until we become teenagers and start having real conversations with our parents. For a lot of us, childhood, when we go through childhood, all we really know is mom and dad are bigger than me and they love me and I love them and they take care of me and they know a lot of stuff and I don't know anything. And our parents have a whole backstory and history that happened before we even existed, but that doesn't stop us from knowing them because it's not about knowing everything. I still don't know everything about my parents. I mean, I know a lot, but I don't know every single thing about my parents, but that doesn't stop me from being able to have an amazing relationship with my mom and dad. I love them and I know they love me because they've proven it to me with their words and actions. In the same way with Jesus, I just want to encourage you, any of you guys listening to this, man, so many young people, they grow up with this idea like, man, 
If I just pay attention in Sunday school and youth group, I'll know everything about God and I'll have the perfect relationship with him. And then they get older and they start realizing there's a lot of stuff I don't know about God. There's a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of things that cause me to struggle because I can't know. No matter how hard I try, no matter how many systematic theology books I read, it still doesn't make sense. I just want to encourage you because I've seen so many young people go down this path where they have hit that point where they realize there's things they don't know and they start having questions and then they don't ask anybody those questions. They, they, are, are, they are afraid to speak up and raise their questions to others because they're afraid that in the church culture, they're going to be judged. They're afraid that everybody's supposed to have it together. So they never raise their hand and say, hey, I'm confused. I don't know. I don't understand. Because they're afraid that people are going to go, weren't you paying attention? Don't you read your Bible? Don't you pray? If you did, you'd know. And so what happens is people, young people don't ask these questions. And the questions linger and fester and then turn into doubts. And the doubts are never dealt with. And then the doubt turns to disbelief. And I've just seen this pattern happen so many times. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're listening to this, if you're starting to hit that point where you're starting to question things, man, find somebody you know loves you. Find someone you know loves you and loves Jesus and ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. And I'm confused and I need someone to help me through it. Because here's the reality, guys. Like, I am 30. Uh, I've been a pastor for many years, over a decade. I still don't have it figured out. I still have questions. And one of the best things I've learned that I can do is go to Jesus followers who love me and just talk with them about these questions, about even my doubts, even my disbeliefs at time, to bring that to my brothers and sisters in Christ and say, let's talk about this. And a lot of times I get great answers from people. Sometimes people I know and respect who are way smarter than me say, yeah, I don't have the answer to that either. And that's okay. Because remember, right? God is our father. He's known us since we were born. We have not known him as long as he's been around because he's always been around. That's a whole nother strange question to get into. So let's put that on the back burner. But for now, I just want to bring this up and say, just because God is incomprehensible doesn't mean that his love and his heart for us and his mission and his fatherhood in our lives can't be comprehended. Just because God is incomprehensible doesn't mean that you can't know him. And that's the whole mission of why I'm speaking here today to you. This is the whole reason why we do these podcasts is we want to help you know Jesus. We want to help you know him better. So I hope this episode has been encouraging for you. I hope it's spoken to you. And I just want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage you by ending with this verse, John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that you may know the one true God. True life is found in knowing God. To know God better is to know ourselves better. 
So no matter what you're struggling with, I just want to encourage you, take your struggles to Jesus. Because even though you don't know him perfectly, he knows you perfectly. And he's the one who, more than anyone else, he knows how to help. Thank you.